What's up, everybody? In today's show, we start out by talking about the DFW real estate market. According to our MLS, all the the statistics, all the numbers for the number nerds out there. And then we get into some news stories, including a, a nice tale of caution about a general contractor that is going to prison for a long time for mistreating a few of his customers. And then we talk about a shopping center that gives me the nice, warm and fuzzy feels from when I was growing up and some news about it. And then Tavis gets into a great discussion about flood zones and solar panels and things to watch out for when buying houses that involve both of those things. So there you have it. There's a layout. If you want to jump around a little bit, go for it. If you have not, please pause this thing here in a second. Give us a five-star review. Give us a little review there on uh, Spotify or Apple. Copy and paste a link. Send it to a friend. Spread the love. We greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. And we hope to continue to bring you episodes just like this one today. And so there you go. There's a layout. Hope you enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Well, out there are crooks and that's what they do. But on the other hand, you know, there's people that just get in over their head and before they know it, they're just in way too deep and they don't know how to get out of it. Yep. One day you're a builder, next day you're in prison for 99 years. And this Mm -hmm. guy's on his deathbed, you know, and it, it, this kind of stuff is happening. I was in a transaction like two or three years ago in the colony, similar thing. It was a 90 year old lady that was sold a 25 year lease contract. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweight Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. I am Ashton Hines, half of the Real Estate Heavyweights. I am a realtor. I am a real estate investor, still learning the ropes. I have flipped four houses. I have a long-term rental. I've been working with a ton of investors lately on the realtor side of things. And uh, I still do home health uh, in the physical therapy assistant as a, in the home health realm. And uh, I am working diligently to go full-time in real estate. I'm getting oh so close. But helping me out with that move and helping me out learning the real estate business is a good friend and just a really all-around good dude, great real estate investor in the DFW area for years and years, Tavis Westbrook. What's going on, Tavis? What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, Tavis, like Travis without the R. <laughs> yes. Do you ever, have you ever talked to to your mom about where she got that name? Is that a, like some sort of family name or something or? <laughs> it's kind of lame. I mean, I think it was just from like a baby book, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I was just kind of my, you know, normal responses, you know, just hippie parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where'd you get that? Uh, hippie parents. So. Yeah. It yeah, wasn't like they meant to name you Travis and then the nurse messed up the sheet or something at the hospital. Yeah, and I got, just, just go with unique. It. I mean, I've heard different things like, oh, you know, I guess my, my, you know, my biological dad was, was, uh, his name was Thomas was his first name. And I've heard, oh, it's Tavis is Scottish for Thomas for something. <laughs> but, you know, when you kind of look at it, there's Tavish. You know, with the H, yeah. you know, uh, um, so I don't was know. He, but Tom- I don't, I don't, he might be Thomas without the H and his whole life. He's had to tell people <laughs> I'm, I'm Thomas without. the yeah. H. But, I, you know, yeah. it, it, even with that, it's like it doesn't 
uh, make a lot of sense because I don't think we're Scottish or I don't think there was <laughs> Scottish background. So. Uh, just makes like cool I said, just, hippie parents is the easiest thing. Well, my name comes from a soap opera. So I, a lot of people ask, you know, oh, uh, where'd you get your name? That's a cool name. You know, I think my mom told me she was watching a soap opera when she was pregnant. And one of the characters names was Ashton. So, yeah, that's you don't hear a lot that's... of Ashtons, but I mean, there there no. is, uh, you know, I mean, you hear them. I, I think the younger, well, I don't even know. I get my Gen Z and Gen Y and all that stuff mixed up. But I, 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 a friend of mine's son, his name is Ashton, and I've seen him grow up. And he's yeah. in his, he's in his thirties now. Uh, and okay. of course, you've got Ashton Kutcher, but yeah, uh, there's not a lot of you. Yeah, there's a run of them. There was a run of girls for a while that was Ashton, but lately it's you know every once in a while I'll run into another another Ashton guy. Um, but anyway, uh, things are good here. DFW has been a, a wild ride with the weather this week. It got up to 94 degrees a couple of days ago. And um, I have been stubborn about my car situation. I, I drive my Ford F-150 when I want to, you know, on the weekends and at nights. But during the day when I'm driving and putting a lot of miles on my car, I drive my Hyundai Sonata. And uh, it has had issues. And last year, the air conditioning went out. I spent money to fix it, and it didn't do much. And I'm like, I'm not spending any more money on this stupid car. Mm. So I went last summer with no air conditioning. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> so I've been waiting. Like, okay, I, I thought I had a couple more months. But then this week gets up to 94 degrees. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Wow. But then this morning, it's 42. You know, it dropped back down. It's nice and chilly outside. So... You know, in general, the weather has been awesome in DFW. So I really, really love the the spring, nice and crisp, no humidity. So got to get going on the yard. Definitely the weeds are coming up. I've got to figure that out because uh, it will get away from you super fast. Well, why don't we do a little bit of a market update? started searching the MLS slightly differently this time and I started clicking on a few buttons and I found the year over year statistics so this January compared to last January which I think is a lot uh, a lot more uh, realistic as opposed to doing month over month uh, because right now it's seasonal you know we're in January uh, seasonally there's going to be less things available on the you know that just happens every year so it's hard to you can get some clickbait articles and saying oh housing's down well it's it's down every december it's down every january you know yeah. uh, but uh, year over year one of the the statistics that popped out actually was the percent of original price that things are selling at and that's something we look at you know we know we're roughly 96 percent, 97 percent, depending on which county you're looking at which means you know if if you're offering a house for four hundred thousand you're eventually selling it for roughly 97% of your original asking. Well, <clears throat> a year ago, uh, last January, we were at 100%. And I think the January before that was even a little bit higher. Those were the multiple multiple offers and really, really hot market. <clears throat> but we've come down to reality. And that's one of the big numbers that has uh, changed. Now, new listings is about flat year over year. You know, we have our sales price is slightly down from a year ago it's you know almost flat down down one and a half percent from uh, last year and the other thing that has gone up significantly is our month's supply last january we've talked about how you know little supplies on the market but last january there's a 2.3 months of supply and right now we're showing the entire mls 
to be 3.1. Hmm. Uh, of course, if Denton, Collins, Dallas County, where we deal with a lot of it, we're a little over two. So still not a lot of supply. But when you look at it compared to a year ago, you know, it is creeping up. So overall, the market is, um, you know, it's picking up in volume. And I, I still feel like we're poised to have a really good spring, summer because I think there is just pent up demand to to move and kind of accomplish some things. And the longer the interest rates kind of stay about where they are, I think we have a chance to, you know, get a little bit more things going. I looked back historically, I think it was 93 to 2000. Those interest rates were exactly where we are now. We talked about that last week. So we're, you know, it's a similar environment then. A lot of stuff was happening. A lot of things were selling. So I was in a new build neighborhood last year or last week, and I did a little video about it. And there's, they're still throwing up houses out there. I mean, those new builders are, they're trying hard, you know. Well, so. I mean, you know, inventory again, if three months supply is still less than a balanced market, right? So yeah. we've talked about this before. And, you know, we still have land to expand and builders is where it's at. So, you know, as long as, there's a need for housing and need for demand. And, and, you know, we look at the statistics on how fast we're growing as a, as an area. I think we went over that, you know, a couple episodes ago, you know, but as, as we continue to grow and job rates continue to grow and everything else, I mean, you know, where are you going to get the housing from? If people are locked in these low interest rates, they're not wanting to move or sell their house. So the new builds is where it's at. Yeah. You know, we're going to continue to have that. I don't, I don't see that shifting or changing anytime soon. No, the thing you got to be careful of, and I, this is what I did the video about, is I did an open house on Sunday. It was open house number 13. I did one Saturday and I didn't do a video. I need to go back and account for that one because it's there's going to be a gap. I didn't do a video for, <laughs> for Saturday because Saturday's was different. It was a townhome behind a locked gate. I couldn't put signs out. <laughs> did you out. have any activity on that? I know we talked about it. Yeah. So I did this open house. I, I, I would not have chosen this one, you know, if it were me looking just objectively of, hey, where do I want to do an open house? But I told an agent I could do one. The one I committed to, evidently someone else took it before I said yes. They said, okay, well, we have this other one. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll take it. Well, she sent me the info. Turns out, townhome, occupied by a family with kids and a dog. And it's in a gated neighborhood. And and not only that, but the neighborhood's really specific. You could I couldn't even put an open house sign in the yard. I had to prop it up against the porch. And um, <laughs> so I put some signs out, out you know, on the big roads leading in. But it just pointed to the gate. And then people would just have to come in and wander around. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get anybody off the street. And so I did not have any traffic for a little while. And I finally had one couple, I think might have just been walking the neighborhood. They came in. Mm-hmm. And then I did get an actual person who They're seemed to like, see oh, it. wow, open house in this neighborhood? That doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was illegal. <laughs> uh, no, I did get one guy that I think that saw, saw it online, came out. He was a warm lead, and then he's ghosted a little bit. But, you know, okay, it was sort of promising. You know, I've got kind of a lead from that. And I was shocked, you know, uh, because it, it just was a different house. And, you know, if I were them, I'd be pretty aggressive about pricing because they got their hands full with the kids and the dog and all that. So, anyway, Saturday I went out. I thought it was going to be a killer one. Great house, showed great in pictures. It was a 2020 house and uh, in a, a nice neighborhood up in Little Elm. And, not one person came through. Not one freaking person. Oh, I gosh. was there three hours. 
And, uh, you know, you start getting creative with your videos and you're trying to do stuff. And about halfway through that, I, I think, I wonder if they have a video camera in here. They're like seeing me redo these videos nine times. And so it's, it, you know, it's always interesting being in someone's house because I was occupied too, but they have a mastiff. They were rushing out of the house when I was getting there and it, you could smell the dog a little bit, not bad, but they had done a decent job uh, with that house. Well, no one came through. I'm like, this is so weird because the weather's great. So I drove the neighborhood and like we're talking about the new builds, there was a ton of new builds in the same neighborhood from the same builder. So I went by the the, uh, the office uh, for David Weekly there. And sure enough, they're offering houses for less than this house was on the market for. Now, it wasn't the exact same size, but it was pretty close. Mm, yeah. And, you know, those are the spec homes. When, but you could probably go through the build process and get close. Yep. And this house had a huge power line in the backyard that you could see huge power line. And, and so I, I was just reminded, I went through this a year or so ago with a client in the same situation and we yeah. rode the market down. We just kept decreasing 10 grand, 10 grand. But these builders have so many levers they can pull. You can pull mm -hmm. one lever on the retail side, price. They can pull design center, uh, incentives with the, the financing and then the price and all these things. So I don't know. I don't know if you've... Uh, well, you don't flip anywhere close to new builds, but have you dealt with that situation where you've kind of competing against new builds in the in the vicinity? And, and yeah. to me, you have to price really aggressively. Yeah, no, you you have to know you have to know all those things. And in fact, I, I remember that that Wiley one you had an inspiration. You know, remember mm -hmm. having those conversations. You know, yeah. Uh, you have to really kind of work backwards. I mean, and mind you, most of the time that, you know, the person selling received those incentives on the front end too. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't, maybe they bought during 22, you know, but as an agent, you've got to know those things and you got to know what your competition is. And so you've, you've got to understand strategically how to price against that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's just important to understand and it's kind of like a new car, right? You drive it off the lot that's got miles on it, but it's, yeah literally brand new you bought it a week ago it, you know compared to something else that's never been driven before you know there's going to be a difference and in, yep. in the buyer's perspective on what that value is going to be so yeah it's important just to know know those things and back into it and just know what you're what you're competing against and what kind of incentives you're you know you're able to give the buyer to yeah. compete maybe that's you paying uh, title policy etc you know yeah yeah, unless you've come in and done all sorts of custom work after the fact to really make that house different, you're basically competing against something they could build tomorrow. And it's just really, really difficult. So, well, why don't we get into a little bit of news? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Uh, a few quick stories here, and uh, we want to—we really want to spend some time on the back end of this show. Tavis has got a few pressing issues with a, a deal he's working, and then another uh, current event uh, topic with solar panels, so stick around for that. But in the news, uh, there's actually a, a home builder that popped up down in Georgetown, I grew up in Round Rock, Georgetown, just north of there. And uh, a home builder faces 99 years in prison uh, for misappropriating clients' funds. It didn't, I don't know how long this went on and they really didn't get into a lot of details, but yeah, he's, he's facing multiple felony counts. 
He was a custom home builder, evidently had taken in several million dollars worth of clients' deposits and payments towards things. And it sounds like either, I mean, of course he wasn't completing the projects or they would have been happy with it, but I guess he wasn't completing projects and they found out he was spending the money elsewhere. So the uh, definitely, you know, Tavis's way of keeping track of projects is, looks more and more attractive all the time. So, um, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, a custom builder is just a glorified GC, right? They're they're a glorified yeah. general contractor, and most of the problem with general contractors is that they don't do a very good job of bookkeeping and managing their money. So. You know, you move somebody up that's built a couple of custom homes, they get momentum, they put out a good product, you know, and people fall in love with them. And, you know, you kind of grow that business and then you start getting people attracted and, you know, you've got timelines and different things like that that get you backed up, you know, as far as, you know, I mean, multiple things, right? You have weather, you have, you know, vendor supply, you have all kinds of different things. And depending on how they're paying themselves, you know, and how they're eating on the deal, you know, it's possible that they're, they're front loading it and going, oh, I should be making 30, 40% profit on this thing. And I'm going to go ahead and take that salary now. And then I'll repay it, right? (laughs) I'll rob Peter to pay Paul. And, you know, that it doesn't take much, uh, you know, for that to all of a sudden be completely upside down in your business model and be stuck, you know, especially if you're doing it based off of draws and you're not stacking it properly and you're not getting things done on timeline, that's when these things get out of control. And and you see yeah. it on the GC side all the time. Yeah, it's dangerous, you know, to, you know, just anytime you start dealing with other people's money, I've used a few investors and it definitely puts this level of pressure on you, you know, where you yeah. have this responsibility and I know I could do better with it, you know, but I've had the agreements with them and I'm up front, you know, and, and I try to explain everything that's going on. But even then it's like, I'm sure I could do better making sure everything's all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And I, that's a super small yeah. level. And I think once you get a little bit of success and, you know, now projects, instead of a $50,000 bridge loan, you're talking about a $250,000 bridge loan, or you're talking about a half million dollar deposit on a house, you know, it's like, yeah. there's, it, it gets when it's possible that he he couldn't pay his bank funding you know yeah. and didn't pay that and he lost his lines of credit you know all those different things happen you know and yeah. and and it's unfortunate right i mean in situations like that you hope somebody cuts the bleeding out early but i mean i've witnessed that i've witnessed it with you know custom builders where you know it wasn't completely clear but just there were some things going on with the transaction that i was like what's what's the real it's story different. here you know something's yeah something's not here. something doesn't add up why they're not yeah. able to get this project done yeah. and you know that's when things just don't add up right i mean yeah. if you have all your things lined up right and and you're running a, a business model that makes sense with it you should be able to knock this stuff out quick right so yeah. it's it, it you know and i don't think it's necessarily malicious we hear these things and yeah. immediately our brain goes to a malicious act, you know, and somebody's taking advantage of somebody. And I don't know if that's truly what their intent is. Obviously, there's people out there that are crooks, and that's what they do. But on the other hand, you know, there's people that just get in over their head, and before yep. they know it, they're just in way too deep, and they don't know how to get out of it. Yep. One day you're a builder, next day you're in prison for 99 years. Golly. So let's, let's try to avoid that. <laughs> Another story that popped up is... A favorite shopping center of mine. Growing up, it has a lot of uh, of comfort 
comfort feels for me. I grew up in Austin and we would drive through Hillsboro a lot. And my family, uh, my mom still lives down there. Uh, Megan and Dustin, Dustin, who's been on the show, live down there. So I, I make the trip to Austin a lot still. And we go through Hillsboro. And since I've known that place, it's gone from a vibrant destination shopping town that was one of the first you know, outside of San Marcos, it was one of the first outlet malls yep. that I remember that was like, oh, this is really cool. And we would stop there and eat and get a snack and, you know, do a little, you know, school shopping before school started. And it has deteriorated into the saddest shopping center to where I think Bed Bath & Beyond is there and one other store. And so literally out of 100 storefronts, there's two operating stores. And it is so depressing. Gosh. And so you you drive through there, and you're like, how is this even sustainable? Well, it's changed hands, and evidently uh, they do have some plans to revamp it. You know, I'm sure add some apartments or do something to kind of bring some some density to that area and and, and change up the look there. But I'm happy because you know that that shopping center specifically holds kind of a a fun place in my heart, and it's just been really sad to watch it go downhill all these years. And so uh, next time I drive through Austin, maybe they'll have a few uh, bulldozers out there trying to, you know, for a long time, their, their solution was they would put this kind of pastel, like this green and pink plastic on the front of these windows to try to make it sort of look attractive. And it even just, <laughs> that's just creepy, you know? So uh, good luck to them. I hope it, I hope it goes well. And uh, last thing, uh, speaking of, we hope it goes well. I actually texted Tavis the other day. There is a really interesting neighborhood up in Frisco. It's called Tapestry Environment, maybe something like that. And mm -hmm. I was at, coming from a, an open house, and I drove by this, and I was like, "Man, that's a that's a really interesting house." Pulled into this neighborhood. There's about four four houses being built. I didn't know anything about it, but the thing you notice is these houses have plants on the roof, and these they're, they're sloped roofs. So I started looking into it. I texted Tavis. I I thought maybe this was brand new and. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, th that didn't go quite as planned. I'm like, oh, man, he knows about this. So tell me, I, I know you don't know all the backstory, but tell us a little bit about what you thought that was supposed to be. And we can kind of talk about what it is now. Well, originally, I, I'd been maybe, you know, now I'm looking at the brochure. Uh, but even if you look at the brochure, I mean, some of the stuff that they show on here uh, of other things that were built, it, it's almost like a, you know, properties that they're building inside outside of the ground right so like using the topography to build into the side of a hill if you will to where the home is kind of inside and outside uh underground or underground and above ground if you will mm -hmm. and so it had it like it i mean some of the concepts and some of the conceptual drawings before the first place was built was like super cool and super intriguing yeah. right it definitely different for our area of something that we've never seen before around here but you know it was it was very intriguing and now you kind of drive through the neighborhood and you're like oh this looks like kind of your typical boxy you know semi-track build home <laughs> that's got grass on the roof yeah. <laughs> so they're they're kind of goofy and uh looking through you know the floor plans i mean I w we were doing a walkthrough here virtual walkthrough and uh you know it looked pretty cool it's like i can kind of get on board with this you know with what what's here and it's supposed to you know just basically connect you know the the build the building itself into the natural environment around it yeah. if you look on the brochure there's like a neighborhood that's been built out before and i don't know if it's texas it looks like it's probably somewhere like 
It almost looks like something up in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. But the whole tree is, I mean, the whole street is lined with trees and like yeah. everything blends into its environment, you know, which I think is really cool. And maybe eventually that was kind of maybe what they're... 50 years. I mean, if you go yeah. out there now, they, they started at like every other neighborhood where they take a a bulldozer and they scrape exactly. the land yeah. and then they flat out, you know, you drive through it. It's all these plats of houses, just like a normal neighborhood. And the houses themselves do look cool. They, they've got this unique brick. It's just kind of this deep orange red, but they're all the same. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it's like you've got four in a row and there's slight differences, but you know, uh, you see the plants, but in the brochure, the plants are really lush and it's kind of, but when in reality, it seems a little anemic. And of course, it's winter, you know, so maybe that's part of it. So I don't know. It, you know, I like the inside. One of the renderings that we saw, the, the, the thing I noticed that's different is they do all natural oak casing on all the doors and all the openings, which does kind of have a retro feel and sort of, a, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, that real famous architect. Oh, gosh. The modern. Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. Fr Frank Lloyd Wright. So I've been to one <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright house. And it's not made for people my size, that's for sure. I had to duck <laughs> I had to duck going through doorways and I would not fit in one chair he built. He would build in a lot of little booths and chairs and stuff to his house. Yeah. That house, it was cool, but I was like, this is not for me. But this house has a little bit of that kind of 70s, I want to use more wood materials, a lot of glass type vibe. But the other thing we didn't mention is the starting price is $1.3 million. Right. So you know, I'm sure they're having to develop some custom systems for the roof. Yeah, and they the can't plants be cheap to that, build. I mean, with no. the, the with the grass roofs, I mean, the amount of infrastructure you've got to do to protect that. I mean, it looks like instead of sheetrock inside, they're using plywood. You know, on the ceilings, they're doing obviously, you know, a heavy a heavy waterproof membrane up there before they mm -hmm. can grow plants on top of it. You know, to keep it from leaking. Into your Can you home. imagine having to call Pablo every spring and saying, "Hey, Pablo, <laughs> get up on the roof." I for need, me you, and cut I the need grass. you to get on my roof. Pablo's uh, Tavis's all-around guy who is awesome. He does landscaping, and I need him to get over to my house and help me out because it's mine's kind of a disaster yeah. right now. But he's kind of a, a mastermind with all the the landscaping. But I can't imagine calling him and his crew comes in <laughs> and is like, well, "I have to rope in to get up there because yeah. it's kind of sloped and they got these I plants mean, all over the place." It's wild. Like I said, I think the original. I was really excited to see this thing come together um but and now it just kind of looks like your your traditional boxy home with a sloped it, it basically not even a sloped ceiling it's got a radius to it right so it's like a uh it's a sloped radius roof with grass growing yeah. on the top and yeah we'll just put kinda, a link in the uh, description so you can kind of get an idea yeah. about what the other thing about. is we we were walking through one virtually and the master's upstairs and I'm like, what are Come you doing? Come on. $1.3 million home and you're putting the master upstairs in a unique design as it is. And so not only does somebody have to get on board with it being completely different and being okay with that, then they also have to get on board with it being a non-attractive floor plan. Like, yeah. come on. I don't I don't know who's behind this, but obviously it, it's it's been they've had that development for the last three or four years. And I mean, there's only what, four or five homes built. So yeah, I think I, that tells you something.
you know, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, unfortunately, I think they missed the mark. <clears throat> Might have missed the mark. So hopefully they don't, they don't sell the, uh, the, the, the lots across the street. The, the, the four people who did buy there, hopefully they don't sell the lots across the street to David Weekly and they bring in their latest, you know, their latest three, <laughs> yeah, two. That'll be great, it. right? You have this. I mean, I think their big thing is the whole subdivision, too. Like they have a lot of amenities and different things that they're trying to bring in from the environment and the feel of the, the neighborhood. So, yeah. And, but yeah, again, I, I just don't think it met the mark for here, unfortunately. Yep. Good maybe idea. Austin, I hope maybe, it works out for them. It would look they, cool in Austin. It yeah, would look awesome in a hippie in Austin, town actually. like Austin. It probably would have done better. But this yeah, is like, I think it would look cool there. This is this is white collar Frisco, you know, I don't think yeah. <laughs> I think it was Frisco. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it is. It's up right. off of independence. Yeah. OK, let's get into a little bit of Tavis's world. And um, Tavis, why don't you take us a little bit through uh, the deal you're working right now and some of the issues that are going on there? Uh, yeah. So you know, one of the things, uh, and this is just, this is real estate, but it's also just, you know, going through it before, uh, in this particular property that I'm looking at right now, we've got a closing date set up here coming up. We're in contract. The, uh, seller had some things going on. So they, you know, asked for like four days to get me the seller's disclosure notice after we executed the contract. No big deal. Cool. I get the seller's disclosure and I look at it, and it's in a flood zone. And I was not aware of that before, even though technically I could find it on the tax rolls. But it, there was no indications to me based on where the property was located. I mean, it, there's a creek across the adjacent homes back behind them, right? But I, mm-hmm. anyways, driving a, the property and driving around, I had no idea. Long story short, the previous owner had flood insurance on it says hey it was in a, pro- a partial flood zone and carry flood insurance on it just to be safe okay great you know and and at the end of the day uh it's in like a hundred year flood flood plain you know it's it's possible based on what fema map shows but you know likelihood of it seems pretty rare especially for the infrastructure of plano and things like that okay so nevertheless you've got to just know that what you're seeing now on the acquisition side is going to affect me on the sell side. And so you have to go into it with the mindset of what is this premium going to cost uh, the end user buyer? And most likely we've talked about this before, you know, it's called a high threes, low four, you know, probably caps out at four, but nevertheless, somewhere between like the 375 and 400,000 ARV. And you know that that fits in with the first-time home buyer. So one of the things that comes into that is debt-to-income ratio. So a debt-to-income ratio is how a mortgage will be, or how a mortgage lender will qualify you based on how much money you can afford for a house. So the unfortunate part is when you have flood insurance that's mandatory by the lender, that's going to increase your premium. You know, call it even on the low side. Let's say it's a hundred bucks a month. You know, that it's more per year. If it's $2,000 per year, right, then you're probably looking at somewhere in the 140, 150 range. So the unfortunate part of that is you have to, I'm I'm having to do the math today to figure out what the difference in value would be. So based on, you know, an average PITI, you know, on a 
$400,000 home with three and a half percent down, what does that payment look like? Okay. With mm. taxes and insurance. And then what would the difference be, um, with that extra $150 a month on there, you know? And so what does that change the price point? You know, what does the price point need to reduce to make it competitive up against a home in the same neighborhood that doesn't have flood insurance and requirement? Right. So that's the big thing you have to pay pay attention to in something like this. Again, it's not like the home is falling off a cliff or the creeks right in its backyard or something like that. But because it's the elevation cert came back and says, yes, for sure, it's in flood zone AE, we have to you know, do our due diligence now to figure out the the value and figure out mm-hmm. how that's going to affect us. And I went through this years ago, about five, six years ago, we had a property. We didn't know it was in a flood zone. Again, kind of one of those things. There wasn't a lot of indications to show us that it was. And we get through the whole thing, renovate it and put it on the market. And all of a sudden it comes back. It's in a flood zone. We're like, what? Are you kidding me? So then the buyer, you know, is in contract with us for a certain price. We're excited. They want to keep the deal, but now there's floods, you know, flood insurance required. And so we have to renegotiate with them. And it ended up being like a price reduction to us for like, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which is a huge mm. hit for a flipper, right? Yeah. <laughs> like right. that number hurts really bad. So going into this on the acquisition t- side this time, I just have to know like where am I at on this? And then I need to yeah go back and renegotiate mind you we're already pending but this is an issue that you know you you have to kind of hold your ground on and know that you know this is going to change things this changes what the value is to the property so yeah and the flood the flood maps are on the mls that's something when you're doing your comps you can pull up that tab on the mls and kind of see the different gradient maps and just kind of they, see they are, where you are. And, they, and they're pretty up to date i mean they go off of what fema shows mind you you know it's kind of a broad perspective right so so to to identify it further is you order what's called a flood certificate and that's done through a third party that's associated with fema and i think it cost me like 600 bucks but they go out there and it's basically a survey that they do on the actual property and take elevation readings and determine if it's truly inside of a flood zone so it came back that yes it is uh even though the elevations look very like on the border, uh, but it was enough for them to indicate that, yes, it's still in flood zone AE and X, which X is a 500-year flood zone and AE is 100-year. Okay, so even if it cuts across the back corner of the plat, let's say, you know, the let's say the property dips down and the last five feet of the property lines in, in that 100-year or If it's just plane. the yard, it, it, if it's the lot itself, that's okay. But it, it's okay. where it, it, it's where the elevation uh, of the foundation, the foundation okay. of the property sits inside of that flood zone based on the elevation. That's a problem because, oh, the, you know, enough. it's basically showing, hey, if this creek overflows, you know, it's going to go into your foundation, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just to the back of your lot and you have like a creek lot and your house sits at a high enough elevation and the creek won't go up to that point, then you're fine. You know, you don't have to carry it. You could, I mean, you could add it if, you know, you just had a wild hair, but otherwise it's, it's going to be required by the lender in this case, because it sits in flood zone AE. Yeah. So, well, and this, this brings up just another, a thing that I've gone through recently with, you know, working with a lot of these in- investors that are reaching out and wanting to 
wanted to find properties and some of them wanted to do off-market deals, which is fine. But so many of the off-market deals are managed by wholesalers that have relatively short option periods on them. And especially if it's an investment property that's occupied, you know, by a tenant that might be reluctant to be leaving. They don't even want to be selling this house. They're, you're bothering them. And so then and sometimes these, these, uh, these houses, they, they give you minimal information. You can't really run by. You can't. You, so, and then the short time period, you've got a day or, hey, deadlines today at 12. And you're having to do all this, inf- you know, all this research. You have to really learn how to dive into some of these numbers and facts that you, you would be deal breakers if you, mm-hmm. if you found out, you know, certain zoning or like you're saying flood, you know, flood stuff. So <clears throat> being able to get to that information quickly is super important. And this is also why doing those really quick wholesale hey, rush, rush, rush type deals can be risky. And um, it's also why on the other side, you know, homeowners, homeowners selling, there's just stuff that can go wrong. And so you, as a flipper, you have to buffer in some stuff. And on the on the front end numbers, you might, well, look, you're making a hundred grand. Well, if everything goes really well, yeah. But there's a lot of things that can go wrong and you you have to be okay with putting that number in and missing out on some deals because you're going to aggravate some people because you know, that it it can go sideways. And if it does, this is a huge cost that you're going to have to factor in on the backside. So you just, mm-hmm. you know, be, be okay with walking away from deals. If you don't feel comfortable with all the information you have, um, don't rush into it just to get a deal done. I would, you know, definitely caution against that. <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed cause I had a, you, you and I looked at a deal in Garland a couple weeks ago and, you know, I and we kind of held to our guns, and I think we were about five thousand less than what they wanted to let the property go for. They were still yeah. going to make ten k on the deal. They wanted to make fifteen. Okay, I get it. You know, but their argument to me was, "Hey, you know, you have you have trades, and you have avail- availability, and you might get five thousand more for sales price, and you might be able to save five thousand dollars in some of your rehab, or you might mm-hmm. be able to do this and this and change your numbers and." make it work for yeah. me. You know, if you just pay me the extra five, you know, you can make it up in your deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it, let's talk about risk, buddy. You know, you've got a couple hundred dollars in a contract, you know, yeah. that you're, you're wholesaling over here to make 10 to $15,000 in a couple of weeks. And you're trying to talk to me about trying to, you know, that I have more options to save five grand based on, mm-hmm. you know, my discovery of this property that by the way, was boarded up, looked like it was rated, you know, yeah. you name it. I mean, this thing had so many, you know, wild cards on it, but we were able to do it, you know, and say, yeah, I could do it for this number. No option. Let's rock and roll. But yeah, here's my number. Make your 10 grand yeah. and go on. I, I think they ended up getting their number on it and selling to somebody else. But, hmm. I, you know, you just got to know what you're up against. I mean, you know, because you are the one stuck holding the bag and it doesn't take much, you know, for that number that five grand to turn into 10 grand to turn into 15 grand to turn into 20 grand on the backside. And then you're doing this thing for practice and breaking even or, you know, worst case going in the red, you know, and it happens. I mean, then you're having to borrow money from another investor and you're going to go to jail. That's the moral (laughs) of this story. Don't you know your numbers or you're going to prison. That's kind of what you need to know about all this. So let's get to the next topic here. So we'll spend a few minutes on this. Tavis wanted to talk a little bit about solar panels. Solar panels are 
you know, it's, it's interesting. You see the ads everywhere. You have a lot of people, a lot of salespeople on the solar panels. And, you know, my, the last speech I remember hearing about solar panels, I think might've even been at a Keller Williams meeting where they brought in some of their vendors and, you know, the title person talks and then the, the, uh, inspection person talks. Well, then they had someone there for the solar company and how they started out their speech was basically, you know, I know you think everyone's a scam, but we're not. And here's why. And I just thought, you know, you're, you're definitely swimming upstream if, if you're having to convince people why solar (laughs) is not just this complete scam. And I'm sure there are situations where it makes sense and people are happy and, and all that. But, uh, Tavis, why don't, you know, 